Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. Yay, God. That's so fun. This guy's doing some good stuff in the room, is he not? Um, I, I felt like there was a, before I moved into the message time, a couple weeks ago we got back from Bethel and shared just what some of the things that the Lord was doing about sharing a testimony. I felt like if we could bring the rest of the lights up, that'd be awesome too so I can see everybody. But like there, there's something that's going to be important about you knowing your testimony with Jesus and getting ready to share it on a regular basis, the good things that God has done. And, and yes, it should include the moment you met Jesus and gave your life to Jesus. That definitely needs to be a part of it. But how many people realize that Jesus is still doing good things? And that's also an equal testimony, right? So you need to have the testimony ready on your lips because there's a lot of bad news that comes from whether it's Washington, the mainstream media, or all the other stuff. The enemy wants to depress the population and not, into not having hope, right? And we are the messengers of hope because we have the hope of the resurrection inside of us. And so it's important that you have your testimony stirring up inside of you and recognize the moment the Holy Spirit begins to move on your heart to prepare you to say, it's time to release the word. It's time to release the testimony. And because I'm going to tell you right now, when you do that, and Revelation talks about this, the testimony of Jesus becomes the spirit of prophecy. Like last week, we had two amazing prophets who were with us for a conference, still unpacking those words. I mean, everybody in here that got a word, or if you were a part of this church, even if you didn't receive a personal word, you got a word because you're part of the family here, and that includes you. And so we're in the process of processing, processing all these things. But let me tell you what, you already have a prophetic word. You know what that prophetic word is? God's already done something in my life, and it's time for me to give it away. Right? I need to be ready. This is what God, this is where I was at. This is what happened. It reminds me of the Galderian man. Jesus goes out of his way to cross the sea to meet a demon-possessed guy who had a legion of demons inside of him. Nobody could control him. Nobody could set him free. Nobody could help him. He cut himself. He was living naked in a tomb. You could not get any lower than that. Right? They tried to kill him. They couldn't kill him. He tried to kill himself. He couldn't kill himself. And here's why the Lord stopped that is because the Lord had a purpose for that man. He would not let the enemy steal and rob the destiny that God had made that man. But it took Jesus coming out of his way to encounter the man. And the moment that the man saw Jesus, there was something, that man rose up. He'd been oppressed for years with all these demons, thousands of demons. But the moment he saw Jesus, the solution walking up, he ran up and he knelt down. And then therefore it gave Jesus permission to get rid of the demons. When he casts out the demons, all of a sudden, he's in his right mind. They find clothes. He's eating food. He's sitting there. The man who had been trapped for years in oppression is suddenly there, and he's alive. And when Jesus wants to get up and leave, because the people were freaked out by the fact that this guy we couldn't even keep in chains has now been set free, they wanted to stone Like, get out of here as quick as you can. We don't want you to be here. They could not handle a powerful testimony of Jesus. And so they're kicking Jesus out of the region, and Jesus says, I'm not offended by that. I've got a plan. You know what that plan was? When he got to get in the boat, the man who was set free wants to get in the boat with him. He goes, no, no, no. Young man, you stay here, and you tell people the good things that God's done for you. Do you know that that man's one testimony turned into 10 cities being transformed for the gospel? One testimony. Right? We think that we have to have Heidi Baker's testimony in order to be able to change the nations. No, you don't. You just have to have your testimony when you met Jesus and know it's powerful. He still breathes on that testimony. He wants to breathe on your testimony. So I just feel like there's something stirring up for us as a church, us as a congregation, us as a regional family, that it's time that we begin to tell our stories about Jesus so we can see this region transformed. So when I, I was telling earlier the story when I was in Singapore, and, and um, let me tell you what, something popped open when we began to pray for one another. There's this momentum that built up and all the oppression of what the enemy was trying to stop. And some of it wasn't actually the enemy. Some of it was religious mindsets that were trying to stop a move of God. Like we have to worship Jesus like this and we can't get our hands too high and we just need to stay in our little lane in our box. And I'm like, no, 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 Jesus wants to break out of the box. He already did. It began to move in this room. And I'll tell you what, my favorite testimony, I saw my first blind eye open. I saw my first deaf ear open on that trip. That was Jesus doing it, okay? Can we just be clear? But I saw it. 
as I prayed for somebody. My favorite testimony, though, was the very last night. There was this young woman, probably early 30s, who came up for prayer. And she said, um, I'm, I'm going in for surgery in the next couple of days for breast cancer. And she says, I can right now, uh, I can feel the lump. If somebody, if you reached, you could feel it. I did not lay hands on it. Let's just be clear. But she's like, if you felt, you could feel the, the lump there. And I was like, well, of course, we're going to pray for you. And, and then Lori says, ask her about her last surgery. It's like, okay, here's a word of knowledge. She hadn't told me this. I said, the Lord told me to ask you. You have fear about the surgery, not just because you don't think the doctors can't remove this thing, because you've already had a surgery. And she goes, how do you know that? And I said, well, the Lord told me. And she goes, yes, I had a lump on the opposite side breast. And the surgery was the most horrendous thing I've ever gone through. I didn't, I didn't handle the anesthesia well. It was this nightmarish. Um, I still have scars. There's still pain for this thing. And so I'm really afraid as I go into the surgery these next couple days, not just about the tumor, but the trauma I experienced from something that had already happened. And the Lord goes, I'm going to heal that first, and then I'll heal the tumor. And so I just said, the Lord says, he just wants, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to have you touch the tumor. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to put my hand on you and just begin to pray. And so as I began to pray, all of a sudden you could just feel, and, and I'll tell you what her experience was afterwards. I just watched the peace of God wash over her. I mean, I love power. I love heat. I love all the electricity and all that stuff. But what I saw was a powerful peace come onto her. And then all of a sudden you could see she's just going like this. So maneuvered around, helped to set her on the floor. And just prayed over for a moment. The Lord says, go ahead and let, she's going to be safe. I've got her in surgery. I'm going to go do something else. Or you go, go pray for more people. So I went and I prayed for more people. About 30 minutes later, I'm looking down the line, and here's this, this young woman. And she's, she's sitting on the floor like this. And it's got this look on her face like, I, 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 just, it was just, I can't believe right? what just happened. She could believe, but she couldn't believe. So I went and sat down next to her. And said, so tell me what happened. And she goes, the moment you began to pray, I felt the Lord says, I'm going to heal you, not just of this tumor, but also the trauma of what you experienced. She says, I literally saw like a mask coming onto my face like an anesthesia. And she says, and then the tumor began to heat up like searing hot. It didn't hurt me, but I could feel that tumor was boiling hot. And then when you laid me down, or the Lord laid me down and went into this thing, I went under and it felt exactly like a surgery was supposed to be, except for I felt peace and everything like that. She says, when I came back up, she says, I felt such a, still this level of peace and this reassurance uh, that I've been healed. And she says, my first thing was like this. And she says, it's not there. I don't have to have surgery because God just did surgery on me. I, I want you to hear this because that's the way the Lord moves. Sometimes the most obvious thing is not what he's going after first. And you have no idea. You might not have a testimony of God healing cancer or healing you of cancer or healing somebody else. But you do have a testimony of God touching you. Right? And so in that place, what did I look for? Lord, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, he healed something, which was trauma, that then opened the door for him to do the other thing. So I just felt like before I began to preach this morning that we're supposed to pray, is there anyone in the room, you have cancer or a loved one has cancer? I feel like we're supposed to go after it. Would you just raise your hand? Okay, would you stand up with me real quick? And I'm just, I don't want to expose, but, it, but it was, I feel like we're here in the room right now, safety of family. If you're the one with cancer, would you just raise your hand? Okay. All right. And now, so everybody else is standing for someone else, right? Okay. So we're going to pray, but I just want to pray over you right now. The Lord knew, tell me your name, sir. Rich, ha, you are rich in the love of the Lord right now. He knew you were going to be here, Rich, and he wants to lavish his rich love on you right now. So, Jesus, we just come in this place, Lord God, where we extend the love of the Father right now to Rich and to every person that's standing for a loved one right now. We just say, in the name of Jesus, may the richness of the love of God, oh, I just see it, destroy cancer right now. I just say, I hear him saying, I'm bankrupting cancer right now. Cancer, you are bankrupt because of the richness of God. And so we just declare wholeness now in the name of Jesus. Even that testimony right now of the peace of God that's beyond your ability to understand rich, 
Just be filled right now with the peace, the wholeness, the shalom of God right now. We just say, come Holy Spirit. We expect right now that cancer is being dealt with once and for all, not coming back. No further treatments. We just declare right now, be healed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And, and, and I just say, the ones that are standing up right now, that's the testimony. You're going to tell your loved one, the richness of my God is going to heal you. So pour out the lavish love right now, Father. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you that you're going to confirm that he's been healed. By your stripes, Jesus, rich has been healed. And we declare this in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen. I hear the testament, yeah. Shabbatur Ramana Shandali. What? Oh, no. I was speaking in time. When we, when, we, well, I was speaking, when we were in writing, I shared the testimony that those who weren't with us had an encounter with the Lord. And let me say, I share encounters not to point the finger at me, but to point the finger to him. But testimony opens up a door of permission, okay, in, in your own life, too. So I had an encounter with the Lord I'd never had before. And when I came out of it, I could only speak in tongues for a full, solid night. It was like the rest of the night in the morning. I was thinking in English. I'm trying to communicate to our family, our team that's with us. And they're like, oh, we know what's going on. So, so who has a speech impediment or some sort of learning disability or things like that? Anybody in the room? Let's just take that as a word of knowledge right now. Okay? Why don't you stand up? I wasn't going to go there, but the Lord wanted to go there right now. So it's the language of heaven. Anybody else? Okay, somebody y'all put hands on. So I just say right now, the wholeness of heaven, come right now. Just release the language of heaven that's rewiring. I just release heavenly perspective, which with it comes heavenly wisdom, heavenly insight. I declare you are a learner now in the name of Jesus. I cancel the word curse that says you have a learning disability. You are able in the Lord. All things are possible to the one who believes that the Lord is good and who he says he is, and you are who he says you are. And so I just declare right now an open mind. Comprehension come. Even if it's the gift of interpretation for human things you didn't understand, I just declare right now through the Spirit you will suddenly understand. So just come Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name. I'll tell you a testimony of that. I had a couple years ago, a young man. Yeah, let's give the Lord praise. Come on. A couple years ago, I had a young man that was in our uh, membership class. And in the membership class, I have a section where we have the decisions that define us as a church. And it's about, about two pages. And I have everyone in the class actually begin. This is the declaration. Like, you know, we've determined that living, talking about the book of Acts without living the book of Acts is intolerable. Like, that's one of the decisions that define us. But I always have everyone in the class actually read it as we're going through because there's this declaration that comes up from the group. Well, there was this young man who says, I have a learning disability. When I asked, does anyone want to read? He was like, like, no, you don't understand. And his mom's like, no, his whole life he hasn't been able to read. And the Lord's like, that's baloney. It's really what hurt my spirit. The Lord's like, no, that's a lie that he's, he's believed. There was a disability, but the Lord's healed it. And, and so I just said, I said, how about by faith you begin to read this thing? And he's like, are, are you sure? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure. Why don't you borrow my faith for a moment and actually do it? So we got to it. It wasn't like some complicated phrase, but he read it. It was really slow, but he got through it. And then his look on his face like, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm smart. We come back around. And then he realized, i got to read another one. And I'm like, hey, you've already done one. It was all the Holy Spirit. Go for it. So he begins to read this next one in confidence. By the end, he took the most complicated we had, one we had, and the multiple syllables and this phrasing and stuff like this, and he's just reading this thing like a scholar. And his, his mom's looking at him like, like this. And I go, come on now. The Lord opens up the mind. Right? Comprehend. He will use the foolish things of the earth to confound the wise. And it's time for us to bring the, the wisdom of heaven, which seems like it's foolishness, to this earth. Right? And, and let's, let's bring it to bear right now. I feel like God's doing some things in this room. Do you want to share a testimony? Or do you feel like you want to wait? 
It's okay. You, you can wait. Okay. Huh? You, you want to wait or you want to do it now? Come on now, girl. Yeah. Why don't you celebrate Miss Judy coming up real quick? Those that, that know Judy or in time frame, you'll notice that when she's walking up, she's walking up without a cane. And she got heels. <laughs> Go for it. Well, family, I'm going to call you family because I feel like this is home for me. I am new to Texas, and I love it here at Legacy. So if you're not a part of this family, just keep coming back. Keep coming back. My name is Judy, and um, uh, I can say a whole lot of things, but I know that God is a healer. And somewhere in my walk, I lost faith in that. And um, since I've been coming here, you know, God has really been stirring my spirit back up a lot. You know, trusting him again, believing in him, knowing that he can do it because he's healed me from so much. I am a cancer survivor of a very rare cancer. I had cancer of the appendix. And he only found it because they had to go in and remove some stuff. And so I know he's a healer. I stand here before you this month, um, five-year anniversary from a heart attack. I've got five cents in my heart, so I know God can heal. I know that he can do so many things. And I'm just really grateful that I opened my ears to really hear him speak to me, to open my eyes and look around and know that I'm a miracle as well as everybody in this room. We are all miracles. We're walking, we're breathing, we're using our limbs. You know, some may be limping, but their day will come when they're walking straight, just like me. When I walked in here, I had a cane. I had COVID in April. And I lost my husband to COVID two years ago. So I know what COVID can do. It's real. And um, God spared my life, even with all the things the the world says I have. He healed me and allowed me to walk out of there with all these risk factors that, you know, the world says that we have. I am so, so grateful. You know, I was prayed for by many in this house, and I know I can feel your prayers. I know who's praying for me. I may not be able to see your faces yet, but I feel your prayers praying for me, and it caused me to be encouraged and to stand up and to rise up above all the pain, discomfort, all those things that I deal with on a daily basis. But I'm so grateful to God for allowing me another moment, another, another minute to be able to tell somebody, you know what? This too will pass. God can heal. He's willing to do it. We just have to really believe it and trust him knowing that he's the ultimate savior. He's done everything in our lives. We do nothing on our own, nothing. I mean, we don't wake up on our own. And if we just take five minutes, just five minutes, that's not a long time to say, you know what, God, I put my feet on the floor. Thank you. I'm breathing. Thank you. I can see. Thank you. I'm able to move and I'm able to talk to someone. A simple smile. Someone may be contemplating suicide. Our simple smile might even help them. A simple hi or a wave. God didn't put us here so that we can hurt one another. We're supposed to love one another and encourage one another to do better. When we're weak, we have others that lift us up. And we can be strong if we stick together as a family and do this thing, do the walk. We have to walk it out. I realized that in my moving about with the cane, I was starting to get dependent on that cane. God said no. He said, stand up. You can do this. Despite the pain and the discomfort, stand up and walk. Pick up your bed and walk. So that's exactly what I felt like I needed to do, because I think there's three steps, just like the Father, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, you have the Son, the Holy Spirit, and you have the Father. I believe there's three steps to our healing, spiritually, 
emotionally, which is our soul, and then, of course, physical. God allowed me to see that, and I was able to stand up and really say, you know what? I pushed back diabetes. I pushed back rheumatoid arthritis. I pushed back heart disease. I pushed it back in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to fight for my healing because I know he can heal. He's done it so many times in my life. And if anybody else is dealing with anything in here, stand up and fight. Stand up and fight because the enemy wants to see us beat down. And he wants to, you know, just try to take over our minds and our souls and our spirits. But if we trust God and we really believe that he can do it, <laughs> believe me, he can do it. I know. I live this every day. And I thank God then I'm able to stand here before you and say, you know what, I trust him with all of my heart and all of my soul. And nobody else can do it for me but God. You can pray, but do I receive it? That's what we have to think about. When someone prays for us, are we really receiving it? Do we really believe it? Are we honest with ourselves? So... That's all I have to say. I don't want to be preaching in here. Come on now. But thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Once you, once you, I just want you to, I want you to make a declaration of enduring faith over everyone right now. You're already declaring, but how about you just release it over us? Oh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Father God, as your humble servant, Father God. And we thank you, Father God, for allowing us another day here, Father God, able to breathe, Father God, in the beauty of your presence and your essence, Father God. Father God, I declare and I decree, Father God, wealth, health, and faith in our bodies. Father God, I thank you, Father God, that we overcome all those things that the enemy wants to pull in our systems, oh God. And we thank you, Father God, that you, Father God, are the great I am. Yes. The great I am. Father God, we thank you, Father God, for giving us everything that we need to heal and to move. And all of those things, Father God, you gave us your word. Your word is truth. And Father God, we stand on your word. We have faith to believe, to really believe in your word. And we thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Pray to you. Everybody say, yay, God. God. You want to know how you win 10 cities? Who's got a testimony of Jesus in the room? Is there, if you're born again, raise your hand. You've got a testimony of Jesus. Be ready to release it. Amen? Well, I just want to talk to you briefly, uh, just on the heels of everything God's been doing this last couple weeks, about how do we steward a word of destiny? How do you steward a word of destiny? Not just a prophetic word, not just a good word, not just a word of knowledge, but there was words of destiny that were actually being released these last, last week at the conference. If you weren't there with us, um, uh, it will be up. It's online right now, but I'm trying to trim it down because there was hours of what Isabel was releasing and, and throwing. And if you didn't get a chance to watch it, I encourage you to go do it. But there was many in this room that actually received a prophetic word, and it wasn't a two-minute word or someone like five to ten minutes, 15 minute long. How do you steward that word? There's others in this room. She didn't give you a word specifically, but you heard the words that were released to other people, and you heard the words that were released in this room about this church. And if you're part of this family, that word was actually for you. And so this message is for you as well, is how do you steward a word of destiny? And the first thing we have to really do is to be able to take a deep breath. He's not saying, now you've got a destiny. Pick up and do everything you can to make it happen. The word of faith came by the Holy Spirit, and the word of faith will be carried out by the Holy Spirit. What we do is what Judy just says. We have to believe it. We have to receive it. And we do step into it. There's some actions. But the very first step we have to do is we have to say, Lord, that's a big word. And I know that you're not asking me to make it happen. You're not asking me to figure out on my own strength, my own wisdom, my own discernment, how to make it happen. I just have to learn to let that word settle into my spirit. 
because you were made spirit, soul, and body. And so this word was released to you through the spirit to your spirit. And now it's starting to settle down into your mind, your will, and your emotions. And really what does happen is your body will begin to come into alignment with what's settling into your spirit. And so we really have to learn how to steward it. There's two specific parables of the word that actually come to mind when it talks about this. One is the parable of the minus. It's, it's the parallel passage of the parable of the talents. But in this passage in Luke, specifically, Jesus is talking about how a, a rich man came to his servants and said, hey, I'm going to give you minus, which was a sum of money. And he get, it says he gave them each to according to their ability. Let me hear you say their ability. It's really easy to hear to their ability and think that was just about their capacity or their gift mix or something like that. No, it had to do with their maturity. It, it wasn't the fact that the one that got five was suddenly, because he's a super smart and he's better than everyone else, I can tell you right now that that servant had come to the place in his maturity as a servant where the master knew this one can handle five. And the five will not crush him. The five will actually be multiplied through him. And so when he turns to the one and gives him three and he goes to the one that gives one, it wasn't actually a statement to the one who got one that you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough. What he was saying is according to the level of where you're at and your growth and your maturity, I'm going to give you what you can handle the steward right now because I'm a good father and I don't want to crush you with the weight of expectation of five. So when we get these words, we have to be willing to say, if I just got one, I'm not going to move in a place of jealousy of the one who got five or three or a longer word or a bigger word or whatever it is, because that place of jealousy will actually move you into the place where it's like weed killer. It's like Roundup 360, and you're spraying it on your heart. That word was put into your heart. That one word was put in your heart. But then you actually begin to squirt the people around you with this thing of jealousy, and it actually causes their faith to begin to die down and your faith to die down. And that's what jealousy actually does. It keeps you from stepping into your destiny. So if we can get into this place where we just shake that stuff off and say, no, I'm going to actually celebrate and champion the words I heard that other people got. And I'm going to receive the word that God wants to give me. And if that's one, I know that my father is so good that if he gave me one, he knew that I could handle one and I'm not going to ask for more that I wasn't ready for according to his plan, not my plan. And let me tell you what, over the course of my life, there were some big words. Isabel, last week, pulled out every single prophetic word I've ever received personally and corporately for the church, including ones that only had in my quiet time, private time, that I didn't tell anybody. I barely mentioned them to Kelly because some of those things were like so big. And I'm like, okay, but it's not ready to bring it out yet, but I know you've spoken this, said this. And so the Lord's moving into this, into the season. But let me tell you what. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I was a young man, when I was five years old, there was things that were spoken to me and about me. And it's in this process of learning how to steward those things that were spoken to you and about you that comes into a place where it positions you ready for the five, the three, or the one. And so I feel like there's many in this room, you didn't get a five minus uh, prophecy, you actually got a 500 minus prophecy, like that God's going to entrust you with this amount because he knows the calling, the gifting, the maturity, and the things like that. Because after maturity is this, there are words that are going to say, and according to the way I've designed you, not just your maturity. I, I'm not meant to be Heidi Baker, and I love her to death. I think she's amazing. She's been one that's spurred my heart. But I know I'm not called to move to Mozambique. And be in the dirt with the people there. That's not what I'm called to. Although it's an amazing word. And so I celebrate her word, but I'm not asking for her word. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to be comfortable with what he's called me to. So if he's called you to something, and he, I want you to hear me on this thing, it's not just jealousy, it's also an orphan spirit that would tell you, well, if you were just good enough, then you could get the bigger word. Instead of the Lord saying, no, I want to do this thing with this word in you and your heart and your life and the people around you, and it will blossom into the point where the Father comes back and goes, well done, my good and faithful son. It had nothing to do with the amount. Are you stewarding 
what's in your hand that was given according to who you are, according to your destiny, and being okay with your destiny in the Lord. Because we all in this room represent different parts of the body of Christ. And Paul goes through great lengths in Romans to really talk about this part of the body can't say, I don't need this part of the body. Or if I was really that part of the body, then I would really be an important part of the body. No, 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 no. Each of us has a unique design and purpose. And when we learn to come together in harmony, celebrating, championing each other, what ends up happening is the part of the body that I'm called to be actually is championed by others. Because I've learned to champion the rest of the body. And all of a sudden, what Jesus is looking for Ephesians 4 talks about the fivefold ministry was to equip the saints of the work of ministry. Absolutely true. But the other part of it says this will continue until the body, the bride, is in proportion with the head, Jesus. He's not looking back, coming back for a dysfunctional body, a dysfunctional bride. He's looking for one that's in the measure. How do we get there? Honor one another celebrate one another, encourage one another, lift each other up. Hey, I heard the word that God gave you. Let me encourage you with the word right now. I've heard that. I'm going to come alongside you. I don't have to just give them a random scripture. I heard the prophetic word that was spoken over many in this room. And even this week, I've come alongside and say, I've heard the word. Let me encourage you with the word that was spoken about you. God trusts you, John. God believes in you. And you begin just to rise up into this thing and going, yes, if he said it, he'll do it. Man doesn't live by bread alone, by every word that what? Proceeds from the mouth of God. This is the preceding word. We have it. It's not getting bigger. It's not getting shorter. Nothing should be taken out of it. This is the preceding word. But we need the proceeding word, the spirit of God that breathes on this, just like when it was written the first time on the heart of Paul or Luke, or John, or any of them. It needs to become this breath of life. And I'm telling you right now, your prophetic words have breath on them. It's the rhema word. The way the Lord made Adam and Eve alive was not by the forming of the dust of the ground, but the breath that came out of his mouth. The essence of who God is breathed into the dirt, and then the dirt became a son. So many of you got a word of destiny that was breathing, saying, this is who you are. This is what you were meant for. This is what's possible inside of your life. Come into alignment with it. So take a deep breath. Because in that taking of a deep breath, it's going, Adam didn't have to do anything in order to be able to become alive. He was dead dirt until God breathed into him. And let me tell you what. Until the Holy Spirit moved on your life to receive Jesus. You were just a dead man on his road to hell until the Holy Spirit encountered you and breed, be born again by faith. You came alive. You became a new creation made in the image. We're not restored back to Adam. We're not restored back to a better version of who we are. We're actually into this place of a never-before-seen creation. That's what it means, new creation. That means Adam and Eve, they were a good thing. But what you became when you became born again, and by the way, Jesus went to hell and preached the gospel to captivity. Who was there, Adam and Eve? So who got born again? Adam and Eve. Your brand new creation. Come into alignment with it. And this prophetic word was, let me breathe on you. Come alive, who I've made you to be. It's also like the parable of the soils where Jesus talks about and the sower's going out and he's sowing the seed and he talks about the conditions of the different soils. All he was talking about was the condition of hearts. And so in order for us to receive this word, to move into these words, we had to begin to cultivate the soil of our hearts to make sure that we're actually developing a mindset that's consistent with where he's taking us. Renewing of the mind, repentance. There is no revival without repentance. But repentance is not about turning away from dead things. Repentance is about becoming the live thing. I'm going to say it again because a few of you got that. But you need to hear it. Repentance is not about turning away from dead things. It's about turning into becoming who he created and redeemed you to be. 
It's becoming the live thing, the active living word. What's God doing in you right now inside of you? And so you have to cultivate your heart. It's like when Mary heard the prophetic word that was given to her by the angel Gabriel. We're coming into Christmas season. And what was her response? I wrote it down. It says, may it be done to me according to your word. May it be done to me. What it was, it, it was surrender. It wasn't like Mary's like, well, I got to work myself up to make this happen. No, she surrendered. She opened herself up and she said, may it be done to me according to the word. It's interesting in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, as the, um, the wise men are prophesying, or it's actually the shepherds come and they find Jesus and they're prophesying about, this is what it's going to do and this is what God said. And, and look what Mary does. Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Do you treasure the word that you got? Do you treat it as gold? Do you treat it as valuable? It wasn't just some random thing. It wasn't just a piece of bread. It wasn't just a word that spied out. It wasn't like your favorite color is purple like she talked about. It was, there, was a, there was a gold thing that was released. Do you ponder it? Do you treasure it in your heart? Do you ponder what does it mean? Lord, Holy Spirit, show me what this means. Who did you make me to be according to this word? What does this look like? How am I working with people around me? Begin to take a deep breath and let that word go down and cultivate the soil of your heart. Let me talk to you about timing and depth for a moment. The timing of the word and the depth of the word. When is this word going to play out? The interesting thing about time and depth, how, how deep is this word, how wide is it, how magnificent is it, is it's multidimensional in nature. And it's really easy for us who live on a linear time frame, right? I can't get it a minute ago back to me. I'm not getting that minute. It's gone. I'm on a linear time frame. And it's really easy to look at these prophetic words and saying, well, therefore, she said you're going to do this, and it's happening now, that therefore that must mean it has to happen in the next minute. And the reality is, is maybe it's a yes and a no. Maybe it's a multidimensional word that's got to play itself out. Sometimes God has to give you a word that's much bigger than your capacity to do it. But by releasing the word to you, it comes into your heart, and all of a sudden you begin to grow into the capacity of what's spoken about you. And God loves you enough to give you a big word, to be able to trust you that you're going to steward it. And so you have to come into this place of timing of like, Lord, what does that mean for me right now? And how are you preparing me for four years from now, five years from now, a thousand years from now? Like, well, wait a minute, a thousand years. Do you know that some words are going to be released to you? that actually weren't for you, but they were for you to cultivate an atmosphere and a place where others would carry it out? You want the great examples of that? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham saw components of the word actually given to him in his lifetime. But the vast majority of that great word that through you a multitude of nations, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He did not see this side of, the, of heaven. But what did he have to do? Cultivate an atmosphere where Isaac understood that he was a son of promise. What was Isaac responsible for? He had to cultivate an atmosphere so he could pass on to his sons, who could pass on to their sons. There was something that had to be done multi-generational. And so when you're talking about the timing of the depth, what are you responsible for right now? Yes, steward it. Be a part of it. Activate it. Don't wait. Do what he's calling you to do in your heart. But also look multi-generational. Multidimensional. I realize that some of the prophetic words I've received, especially over the last 10 years, were not actually for things that I was going to do, but people he would bring into my life that I was helped to steward and launch them into their destinies. Stephen's a great example of it. I had a word, I don't know, probably about five or six years ago, and I knew it was God. It was such a strong God word. and saying, you're going to have favor with the police department and like there's, there's multi-layers. I don't want to go into it because I don't want to sidetrack us. But it was like this multiple layers. And when I came back, I'm like, I know this is God. There's a timing on this, a, a sense of urgency. So I started looking into how to actually become a police chaplain. And I went through that process. And right when I was about to sign up, I heard the Lord say, whoa, 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 what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm following your word. He says, no, I gave you a word that was for later. I said, okay. So I laid it down, stepped back. Well, my brother-in-law, who's our men's pastor, 
is a police detective. And what God's doing right now in the New Braunfels Police Department, specifically because there, is actually living out that word. There's favor. There's things that are happening that go beyond our local city that are beginning to transpire. And the Lord began to tell me, you need to look at every prophetic word, not through the lens of how it impacts you, but how it impacts generations. You know what that is? That's becoming a father or a mother. I no longer, my life is not my own. I live today as a father to watch her step into the fullness of who she's made her to be, God's made her to be. And guess what? I can see my great-grandkids now. I have a vision for my great-grandkids that they'll walk in the power of the words that Isabel gave to us they'll see the fulfillment in their lifetime in a way that I never would be able to see it in this lifetime. And I'm okay with that. My question to you is, are you okay with that? How do you steward a word of destiny? Why is it that revival often dies in one generation? Because this is not understood. Why is it there's places on the planet where revival has continued to go on 40 and 50 years later? Because they understood what I just told you. And they've made room for another generation to become strong and powerful in the Lord so that your ceiling can become their floor and they can be launched higher and higher and higher. That's what the words of legacy actually mean. So there's a timing. There's a depth to it. How do you do this? Stay seated. You're seated with him in heavenly places, according to Ephesians. Rest. Stay seated. Where? In the best seat in the entire universe, where the problems of this planet are nothing. Can you imagine being on the space station right now as it's orbiting the earth and it's going around? Can they see some of the challenges that are on the dirt? No. It's a different perspective. When you seat with him, when you sit with him, you realize, who am I actually with? Who's brought me to the party? Who's actually redeemed me? I'm seated with him at the right hand of the Father. Not because I'm a servant, because I'm a son. I'm his bride. I'm part of his body. And when I'm seated from heaven, these big words suddenly makes sense from eternity's perspective. So if you begin to struggle with the largesse of these words, get out of your head of how impossible it is and get into a place of intimacy. Get into a place of worship. Stay worshiping him. Stay joyful. Stay in the word. Stay seated with him. Stay in a place of love, of intimacy with him where you're like, these words, was, what's the scripture say? The word doesn't return to him void. It will fulfill every single thing it was sent out to actually accomplish. All of us should go, Whew. You mean I don't, I'm not responsible for it? Yes and no. You are responsible, but not to make it happen. You are responsible to say yes. You are, you're responsible for being a vessel that he can fill and he can use and he can transform. So cultivate the ground of your heart. Pull the weeds of doubt, weeds of unbelief, the weeds of jealousy, the weeds of I'm not enough, the weeds of orphanhood. Pull those weeds out and come into this place and say, I'm exactly who God made me to be. I'm going to develop a mindset that's consistent with the word and where he's taken me. I'm going to reject jealousy and celebrate and champion others. I'm going to stay in a place of worship. I'm going to stay in the word of God. I'm going to make this thing the meal that I actually devour on an ongoing basis. And when I sit down with him, I suddenly look, I'm a meat eater. So I'd suddenly see the most expensive, beautiful Precious aged steak you could ever see. And I'm just like, if you're a vegetarian, I'll pray for you. But I don't think, I don't think you can 
get the same response to a salad that you can from, but it's okay. But I, but I see this thing, and I, and I begin, it's live, it's active, and I'm, I'm having an encounter with the book. I'm having an encounter with the one who prepared it for me. I'm having an encounter with the author of it. I'm, I'm coming to the place. I'm developing that mindset. I'm staying in the Word. Bring your words to encounter the Word. Because your prophetic word will never counter this. But let me tell you what. Your prophetic word will never become real and into reality if all you do is approach this from a religious mindset about behavior or history. You have to look at this as equally part as a prophetic word to you. Devour it. Eat it. Stay prayed up. What's interesting is this, there was a, and I wrestled with this thought a few years ago, because it kind of went around the Christian circles, and it still does a little bit, higher levels, higher devils. And I asked the Lord about it, he says, well, it is true that there are ranks within the kingdom of darkness, just like there's ranks, excuse me, in the kingdom of, of heaven, you just have to realize where you're seated. Satan himself Forget every principality on the planet. Satan himself cannot take you off the place where you're seated with him. If he could, he would have stopped Jesus from being crucified. He couldn't. He couldn't. So how do you do it? It's not higher levels, higher devils. Let me tell you what. You already have the highest perspective. So what do you have to do? Be alert. Stay alert. From your perspective... Don't allow your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your physical body to be what leads you as the enemy comes to try to steal the word. Remember, the parable of the soils has a component where it says this, the cares and concerns of the world crushed out the seed of the word that was dropped inside of them. That had nothing to do with the devil. That had everything to do with circumstances. But it also does say the, seat, the, the thief, the bird came and took it. What is it? It's a type of shadow of the enemy stealing and robbing the seed from your heart. Where does that happen? The only place it happens is in your mind, your will, and your emotions. So bring your mind, your will, your emotions into the place of where you're seated with him and command your mind, your will, and your emotions to obey the mind, the will, and the emotions of Jesus. Where do you activate the mind of Christ when you're seated with him in the word? And so we have to do is stay alert. The enemy does prowl around like a lion. He is going to try to mess with you. He's going to try to divide. He's going to try to go to that old thing that you already overcame. And all of a sudden, you're going to be like, why is it like, like I got over this thing, but why has it been hard this week as if I had never gotten over this thing? It's because the enemy's looking for another opportune time to rob you, to steal from you, and to trip you up. And when you begin to realize you have been set free from this thing, but it does not prohibit the enemy from trying to do it again. When we say, do it again, God, guess what the counterfeit of that is? Satan comes to do his thing again, to rob from you. And you just have to remember, no, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. This is who I am. I'm not going to come into an agreement with a dead man. He was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in this flesh is lived by the faith of the Son of God. Not just in him, but of him. Galatians 2.20. So stay alert. Be aware. Look out for one another. Don't get mad at each other. Marriages. Be aware. All of a sudden, you're like, why are we at odds with one another? Because the devil's a jerk. And you and your spouse have a massive destiny on you, and he's going to do everything he can to destroy your marriage and destroy your family. And what you go is like, no, we know who we are. I know I love you. What are we going to do? Devil, get out. Like, like how, Isabel, how many people were here last Sunday? She's telling this testimony about her at the end of a long ministry night, sitting down to watch a movie and with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit just having conversations. And this demon comes walking in the room like a really big, ugly one. And she looked around like, it takes a special time of stupid to think you could come in. You've got to get through the other three before you even try to get to me. This place of intimacy. Get into that place. Be careful with your words. Be careful with your emotions. Be careful with your judgments. 
take a step back and say, am I seated with him and speaking from my place of seated authority with him? Or am I in my soul right now where I got up and this is a fleshly thing? The moment you realize it's a fleshly thing, repent. Get back onto the throne seated with him in heavenly places. Reconcile with the one you might have offended. Or this is what ends up happening more often than not. You actually took an offense by something they did and you didn't tell them. And you let it kind of sit there and I just forgive them in Jesus' name. I do the Jesus thing. I just forgive them. I release them 70 times 7. God bless them. And yet it's still seated in my heart. Go to the person when you said this. This is how it made me feel. And I took an offense. And I want nothing to stand between us. Will you forgive me for taking offense? And at the same time, it opens in a door for the other person. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to hurt you that way or do that. And then we spit in the devil's eye because he cannot rob from you. Unity of the body in this region. I'm friends with many pastors in this region because God's called me into a place of covenant relationship. And we've talked about this together is it can't just be the fact that I've got a, a handful of friends that we, we, we run together, we know each other, we love each other, we believe the same stuff together. Guess what? There's other parts of the body that would not believe in any of this stuff that I'm still called to, to love and be a light to, and to receive from. So pray that our theological boundaries that have nothing to do with the essentials of the gospel would just be set to the side and say, man, you're called in this region just like I'm called in this region. Let's love one another. You know how that happens a lot of times? You've got friends that go to other churches. Don't be weird about it. Like, you got your church, I got my church. Let's not talk about our churches. Say, I just bless, what's God doing at your church? How can I pray for your pastor? How can I pray for your church? What's God doing over in your city? Begin to talk about, hey, this is what God's doing here. We're excited about what God's doing there. Guess what? All of a sudden in the bodies of the families here in this region, there'll be such a life that comes upon it that the leaders are going to be like, my gosh, our families are already united. It'll just make sense to be united. So stay connected in relationship. Stay connected in relationship, not just within here, but outside of here. It's important. Get wise counsel. But let me tell you what the wise counsel is that you've got to get. Wise counsel with those who know how to stay on the outer limits of faith and yet are still grounded. Sometimes the people you will go and get counsel from don't believe in any of this and they'll shut you down. That's not a place of wise counsel. Find those who know how to live on the outer limits of faith and yet are still grounded. Trust me, I've been around the body of Christ for a while now. I've seen those who are on the outer limits of faith and they're not grounded. And I wouldn't take wise counsel from them, but I'll celebrate them. But they're not going to be a place of counsel. The people I have in my life, they both can call me on the natural stuff and the supernatural stuff. Find those people. And finally is this. Stay expectant. Let me hear you say, stay expectant. If you have your Bibles real quick, I just want to take one more, well, five more minutes. Turn to Luke chapter 2. I didn't want to lie to you and then have to ask you for forgiveness. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. I just felt like this was going to be a model for us and what we're talking about. We're going to talk about a man named Simeon who stewarded a prophetic word the entirety of his life. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 says this, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been the, uh, revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents of Jesus brought him to the temple to carry out for him the custom of the law, Simeon took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, 
you are letting your bondservant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your, your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of the peoples, a light for a revelation of, for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother were amazed at the things which were being said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and is a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul to the end that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. It's interesting. He got a prophetic word early in life. He was faithful. He was devout. He knew that the word was going to be. He knew the promise of God. And where did he go? He constantly was at the temple until as an old man, he sees the fulfillment of it. And he is celebrating that. But then he also, he goes, now, here's the passing on to another generation. I spent my life stewarding this one word. Now, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, let me pour into you what God's going to do next. And it was this prophetic word. He, he didn't just celebrate the fact that he got his word. He's like, woohoo, I got my word. It was, no, where can I give this word away? Where can I sow into the word of what's going on around me? And I feel like that's the mindset and the mentality you got to live on. If it took the entirety of my life to fulfill the word, I will still be at peace with the Lord. I will still be devout to the Lord. I will still be joyful in the Lord. I will still be faithful in the Lord. Because here's what's going to happen. When things don't go according to your time frame, you can actually say the hope deferred makes my heart sick. That's not a prophetic word that says that has to happen to you. You get to have a choice. Saying this, no, my hope was not in a timing of the word. My hope was in the giver of the word. I'm in a relationship with him when he sees fit to fulfill the word. Then... I can celebrate. But up between now and then, I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to cultivate the heart. I'm going to do all the things I just told you about. So he was ready at that moment to be able to say, now this is what's going to happen through your life. See, God wants to do big things in your city. He wants to do big things in your life. He wants to do big things in your family. He wants to do big things in this region. And he's looking for people like the faith of Simeon that said, I will steward it until I see it. Why don't you stand up with me? Lord Jesus, we just come and we just declare you are good and you are faithful. And we are more enamored with you than we are with the words. Our faith is in the one who gives the promise, not in the promise itself. So just as a people of faith, a family of faith this morning, we just want to reaffirm our trust in you. We just want to affirm right now and declare Philippians 1.6 that we are confident of this very thing that you who began a good work in us, you will be faithful to complete it until the day Jesus comes back. Lord, we just declare Psalm 138.8 that says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And it's your steadfast love, O Lord, that endures forever. So I just release right now the blessing of the steadfast Enduring love of the Lord over you right now. Every person that hears my voice right now, I just impart to you now, I release over you the promise of the steadfast love of the Lord to you right now that endures forever. And Lord, would you just release right now wisdom for both the now and the thousand years that we would learn to steward and multiply what you've given us to the point you come back and say, well done, now here is ten cities. Here's five nations. Or here's a classroom of kids. Shoot, somebody need to hear that word this morning. A classroom of kids is every bit as important as a ten cities. So we just thank you for what you're doing right now. 
and we come into agreement and say, yes, be it unto us according to your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.